0: Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for R.M. Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com.
1: This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well.
0: Well, this last week was all about Corvettes. So this week we are all about Porsches and to help us kind of go into the top 10 Porsches of all time, which is a interesting list to compile. I'd like to welcome Alexander Weaver. Alexander, how you doing, buddy?
1: Doing great, Greg. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Now, you are a car specialist for RM Sotheby's, and I know for a lot of folks, that's their dream job. Could you tell me a little bit about your job and what you do?
1: Yes, I'm based out of Los Angeles. We're able to kind of visit clients and look at cars and consign cars and buy cars and sell cars and, you know, get to play with some of the best stuff around for sure. Yeah, that's
0: really cool. Now, I know you... I don't personally know you that well, but I know you as kind of like the quote-unquote Porsche guy, which is why I wanted to have you on this podcast. Is that indeed your specialty, or do you kind of do a little bit of everything?
1: You know, I I definitely love Porsches and, uh, you know, drive one pretty much daily and have a lot of fun with them. Uh, I I grew up around Porsches and uh, Shelbys, um, Cobras and Mustangs and things like that, as well as Ferrari's and, and, you know, other European stuff, and then a lot of the late model cars as well. Pre-war is not necessarily my forte, but uh, I enjoy them and and appreciate them for sure. But uh, post-war sports cars, uh, specifically the European stuff, and uh, some of the good American and European hybrids as well, that's kind of what I would consider the stuff that I, I know best and, and probably enjoy the most.
0: Yeah, okay. So I have to ask, what is your daily driver?
1: Uh, well, yesterday, uh, you know, I was, I've been driving my 82 911 SC. Oh, nice. So, um, and then uh, every now and then uh, for the last few months now, um, my father and I, we built a, a, a Singer. So I've been, I've put about 6,000 miles on that in the past eight months now. So uh, that's been a, a fun fun one to kick around in for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Those things are awesome and gorgeous. Now, I didn't know you were also a Shelby guy. What would be your driver Shelby?
1: You know, I mean, I I love a 427. You know, I think that they are great cars. They're easy to drive if you know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, the 289s are great. 427s are great. 65 GT350, 66s, yeah. That's kind of my top right there. You know, I, I love a 65 GT350 as long as it's dialed in and and appropriately set up. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that they love the 289s because of the power on those. You know, the 427 is too much. But I would tend to disagree, and it's, you know, it's only as much as you put your foot down with. So, you know, I like having that extra bit available in the 427, and I think they're uh, they're beautiful cars. I particularly like the, uh, the 427 narrow-hip cars. You know, they're not quite as exaggerated as, as what people are really used to. And they're one of the rarest, you know, body styles that they made in the Cobras. It's hard to say which one you'd pick as a daily because, uh, you know, the Mustang's nice because it actually has a roof and and, and windows <laughs> and things, whereas the the Cobras are not quite as user friendly there. But you know, living in LA, I think you can you can kind of live with a 427 every day almost.
0: Wow, so that's the narrow ones. That's that would be without outside pipes, right, and no hood scoop. Is that right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, most of the street cars didn't come with hood scoops or side pipes but uh, the narrow hip cars really just the the rear fenders aren't as as wide as the the regular 427s you're used to seeing um and they only made about 32 examples of that and of those i would say half of them have been widened to you know at, at some point in their lives to look like the rest of them but i think with you know stock wheels the, the stock sunbursts and things that came with those cars they actually fill out the fenders you know really well um you know, a stock Cobra is not something that people are used to seeing for sure. And uh, with Sunbursts on the wide hip cars, you know, you got about a two-inch gap of the, the fender overhanging the, the tire. So right. uh, with those right. narrow hips, they, they kind of fit perfectly in there.
0: Right. And so that 427, you just kick it into third gear and just drive it like an automatic right
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah exactly yeah just kind of kind of let it roll yeah yeah
0: all right well let's get on to some Porsches here I asked you probably one of the hardest questions out there but what would you consider your top 10 Porsches and I would say of you know of all the ones ever made you know racing street whatever
1: it's your list oh boy well well, I, I made my list based on street cars, cars that I could actually drive regularly, I would say. Well, that's fine. When you get into race cars and you start breaking down which 917s or 935s or, you know, <laughs> things like that, it gets a little more difficult. So I always trying to think, you know, of, of the cars that, you know, most, you know, pretty much everything on this list I've driven and, and had spent some time in and I feel comfortable saying that, you know, they are fantastic cars. And, you know, at the top of my list, it may sound cliche, but it is the 73 2.7 RS. Yep. You know, it it is just kind of one of the best all-around cars ever built, in my opinion, really. They look awesome. They drive awesome. They're very user-friendly. And I mean that in, in the sense of, you know, if you're driving it every day or you're driving it on a track you know, you can really just use one of those cars. And, and I would say um, it's one of the best purpose-built cars ever. And that purpose was just for everything, for the right. track, for the street, for for touring, whatever. Right. Now,
0: would you prefer the lightweight or the regular?
1: You know, I, I really kind of don't care. And, and that may <laughs> sound like, it. you know, well, a real Porsche guy would have a, a, a different uh, opinion there. But I, you know, I think there are, if, if one's set up right, it's a great car. I do think that, and I, you know, one that, you know, I think is really a, a rare one that most people aren't going to talk about are the H's, actually. Not the Touring, not the Lightweight, but the H. And, you know, that's really the most pure form of the 2.7 RS that was built. And they only built like 16 or 17 of those cars. You know, maybe I'd go there. But again, I, I think it's just finding a good one, um, whatever it is.
0: Okay, I'm going to act like um, I don't know what an H is, and the truth is, uh, I don't. So if you would tell our listeners, what is the H version?
1: So the H's were, were basically every every 27RS for homologation purposes was built at the factory, driven across town to the weigh station, weighed, and then gone back to the factory and turned into either a lightweight or a touring. Aside from, I think, sunroofs and air conditioning, which they had to put in the car before they went to weigh them, and they knew how much those two items added to the weight, uh, and they could detract it once it got there. You know, everything had to be within a certain range weight-wise, and then you would either, when it went back to the factory, you'd say, all right, let's put it in lightweight trim or let's put it in touring trim. Okay. The H cars went back to the factory and never got changed. Oh, okay. So there, you know, the H is for homologation. So right. those those cars, you know, left the factory as if they left the weigh station uh, for homologation purposes. So I think that that's kind of a, a neat little anecdotal story uh, related to them, and uh, makes them a little more special.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool. All right, well, what's next on your list?
1: You know, I, a fifty-eight speedster, <laughs> iconic. Yep, fifty-seven, fifty-eight speedster somewhere in there. And you know, I think yeah, again, like just what you said, iconic. You know, they're they're a blast to drive. They're beautiful. You know, it's just something that you can you can kick around town in. and and uh, living in L.A. It's it's a really awesome uh la car for sure
0: is that a career speedster or
1: you know I'm, I'm not gonna get pushy there you know if it's uh <laughs> i'm fine with a bushrod car too so you know i'm not gonna get too picky on that i think just having a speedster is a, a great piece i won't knock any of my I, listen i i think the guys that are riding around in the fake ones too you know the, the reproductions, they're having just as much fun as everybody else you right, know right. um you know good for them so they're all great cars, though. Um, yeah, every one of those features, I think, is just uh, like you said, iconic. Right.
0: Okay. Well, what's your third on the list?
1: So I, and I don't know if this actually works on your list, if this is acceptable, but I'm going to have to throw the Singer in there
0: next. That is that is acceptable. I will accept that.
1: You know, I know it's a highly modified car, but to me, the Singer kind of, you know, I, you know, I'll get into the next car on my list is the 2011 GT3 RS four liter, and and I'm bringing that one in because I think the Singer is the perfect combination of that car and the 73RS. Oh wow, that's
0: a great way to look at it.
1: It kind of blends those two so well for me and it you know, it's a, it's a car you can drive every day, you can take it to the track, you can drive it in really spirited ways and uh you can do a lot of a lot of tours in it or or, or long distance drives or whatever and it's got, you know, a good radio and good air conditioning and uh, but it's still got the the great looks of the old cars. So
0: yeah, I know that GT3 RS 4L, I know the 4 liters getting a lot of love from the collectors just because of that limited availability of that, and I never thought about that, kind of making the Singer the, the bridge between the two, because to your point, the Singer's old school look, but totally redone and modern, but yeah, that's a great connection, I never thought of that, that's really cool. Okay, so your fourth was the RS 4.0, what's, uh, what's next?
1: Uh, Career GT. Okay. They're awesome cars, they're scary. Um, they're fun <laughs> you know it's it's cool to see what Porsche is able to do with you know their the cars that they're racing at the time and trying to build one into a street car I think they're I think they're awesome cars they sound incredible they look awesome and I think you know everybody knows they'll kind of go down as one of the last great analog supercars
0: right now what's your read on the carrera gt that was recently redone by the porsche uh what's it called the porsche center there in atlanta the was like the dark green with
1: gold you know i i i love the car um i there, there are certain things on it that everybody goes you know i take it tweak it this way i tweak it that way but that's the cool part about it that porsche is allowing someone and i know the owner of that car he's a great guy super passionate guy and and he was able to, you know, he, he couldn't buy one new in 2005 the way he described me. So he, he went out and he built one the way that he would have wanted to build it in 2005. And I think that's really cool, allowing, you know, people to, to go back and do that. And I think that's in the spirit of Outlaws, too. Like, you know, what he's doing is no different than what guys are doing to their 7911Ts, making them look like, you know, RSRs or, or doing whatever they want to those. He's having Porsche do it, and he's having Porsche improve upon the car in a lot of other ways that, that people aren't aware of. You know, everybody sees, you know, oh, cool, it's it's green. It's got different wheels. It's got, you know, the same wheels redone differently, you know, and a custom interior and everything. But, you know, they did a lot of other tweaks on that car, too, uh, which which make it special, so, um, you know, I think that, that being able to do that and Porsche, you know, standing behind something like that is is really cool.
0: That is really cool. The fact that it's a factory sanctioned and factory restored is just amazing. And uh, I bet we'll see a lot more of those coming out like that. And I bet we'll see that expand to other classic centers around the world, you know, like Mercedes or uh, Ferrari. Kind of like the re-imaged Singer will start having some re-imaged other things. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, what's next? Uh, let's see. We're on number six.
1: Uh, let's see. I go to a 964
0: RS. Oh, okay. I did not have that one down on my list. That's a cool car. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I had one for a few years, um, and a, a Euro car, and I just really, really enjoyed driving it. It was, um, it's a really raw car, um, and I look at you know the whole lineage of the RSs and. And there's a couple, well, there's at least, there's two more on the list, too, of other RSs, but, um, you know, I think that one is just, it's not overpowered, it's not over, it's not too heavy, it's not too comfortable, you know, like, kind of the things that I look for in in a real sports car. You know, the 993 RS, the next generation, is is a great car, it's a little softer, I would say, um, than the 964 RS. But the 964 RS, I, you know, when I sold that car, I thought, you know, I hope at some point in my life, I'll buy another one of these, and I'll but I'll get one with, with more miles on it, and it's had paint work and stuff like that, so I really don't have to worry about it, and I can just drive the heck out of it.
0: Uh, what about the
1: RS America? So, um, you know, actually, my my father and I, we had an RS America as well, um, and that was the first one, you know, the first 964 RS lineage we bought. We bought that one, and then, honestly, some guys were like, you know, the car was more of a marketing department car. Um, you know, they, they badged it up and did some—, some uh, some things to it, um, but it's not as as true to the RS name as the European or, or ROW Rest of World versions were. The RS America definitely it had the interior, didn't have you know it was definitely a stripped down version um, of the 964 Carrera 2, but not a whole lot different in, in, in compared to the the real ROW RSs. That you know different suspension, different wheels, thinner glass. Um, I mean, also, like, the red, black, and blue 964RSs, they're single stage paint with no clear coat. You rub on them too hard, you got the color paint on your rags. Right. So, I mean, they were extremely lightweight examples of uh, trunks stripped out, no back seats. I mean, they were, you know, no air conditioning, no radio, no power windows, no sunroofs, you know, one piece bucket seats, thinner carpets. Everything was taken into consideration on those cars you know, and that got them into that 2,500, 2,600 pound range.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Take out the sound deadening so you can hear the engine more, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. So, um, you know, I think 964s are great cars. They're built on great chassis. Uh, motors are, are great as well. Um, so, you know, I, I really have a, a good soft spot for 964s. So I would say, you know, they're all great cars that, the, the, the RS though is, is definitely a different animal and then you know you compare that okay so do you say all right do you want the rs the regular rs or do you want the r38 um and then, you know the three eight they made you know 50 some odd examples of but a lot of people that i know that actually have both they prefer you know for real spirited tight mountain driving they actually prefer the regular car over the three eight because it's a little lighter um and uh you know they just say it's a little more nimble
0: yeah i was about to say so it might not be as fast necessarily but it might feel faster is that a good way to put it
1: yeah i think so you know i I, have driven an rs3 once but not in 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 anger (laughs) the to be able to compare them really but um you know from what i've heard from people who have been able to do that yes it's uh that that is the case
0: yeah okay all right well what's your seventh car
1: on the list uh then i go step back a little bit and i go to a 74 rs three liter
0: rs three liter 74 okay all right tell us about that car
1: um, just something that I think is, uh, you know, I, I love the look of the, you know, that the impact bumper look on it and the, the wideness of it, the rarity. Um, and you know, at RM, we've sold a few of them that, um, that, you know, were, were really special ones that really made me fall in love with those cars. So maybe it was just a couple of examples that I've, I've seen or, and, and been able to handle over the years that that really made me fall in love with them
0: right right okay no that's cool all right what's next
1: um i'm gonna go to a 914 6 gt
0: oh there you go okay tell us about that one got the big six in the back right
1: yeah yeah so you can go mid-engine with that um you know and i've driven some some great 914 6s over the years um you know i I did get to experience a, a true gt you know around town and um in the snow recently. And, and that was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I just think they're awesome looking cars. The, the history that they have is, is really cool. What they, they were able to do, um, over the years. And, uh, you know, it, that's another one that, you know, people have been able to modify. They were, they were inexpensive for a long time, just regular nine fourteens. And, uh, the stuff you, that people were able to do to those, whether it was, but, you know, I've seen everything from, you know, bored out 2.9 liter motors to, to 993 motors in them. And, um, you know, it's it's awesome to to see people having fun with those cars, and those mid-engine cars are are, are really awesome the way they handle. So,
0: right, yeah, it's super cool, and that's the one that had they had the flared fenders and everything, right, on that six?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. On the GTS, they had the, the big flared fenders, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. All right, well, we're down to the last two. So, what's your uh, your, what's your ninth? Ah, uh,
1: man. So this is where it was starting to get tough, and, and I'm just gonna throw out the the ones that I was contemplating here i had the the 84 911 scrs Mm -hmm. i had the 993 turbo and i had obviously the uh the gt1 um and um you know obviously for different reasons the gt1 is just such an amazing car that of course did so many great things with in, in the motorsport world in the late 90s and those you know 25 street cars that they built are are certainly valuable cars are certainly awesome looking cars You know, and and that's that's something that's really special to me. The the 993 Turbo is, you know, I think you do need to have... There wasn't a single uh, turboed car on my list. Right. And I think that's, you know, a really, really cool, just iconic, the Kills Bugs Fast poster is something that, you know, (laughs) I grew up with. And and that was just such a cool uh, display of imagery to me. And and, and it's such a true poster, too. And uh, and the FCRS, you know, I think that's just another thing that was... uh, you know, awesome. And, you know, I I love rally racing and things like that. So, uh, something that really helped, uh, Porsche build on their rally empire and, uh, and, and you know, kick a lot of ass in the years and, and something that's also really, really rare. You know, there's only a few, uh, street cars that they built out of the 20 to 22 cars, um, that were made. And, um, So I think that's, you know, also an an excellent example of of what Porsche Motorsport was able to do.
0: So if you had to pick two of those three, which ones would be the two that fill out your list? Two
1: going in my garage, I guess I'm going to have to go with the SCRS and the GT1. I guess I'm going to have to knock the 993 Turbo off the list. Oh! (laughs) But, um, you know, it's a close call for me there.
0: Am I correct in that since you got rid of the 993 Turbo, which I fell in love with those when they were new... Uh, no turbos on your list, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's All fair. All natural aspirated stuff. So, and it's not that I don't think turbo Porsches are fun. I just, I guess, these other ones kind of stood out to me a little bit more.
0: Okay, I got to ask you about one car that I thought would be on your list but wasn't. What about? What are your thoughts on the 911 R? Either the old or the new?
1: Uh, the old, absolutely. I think is is an awesome car. Um, you know, and, and definitely something really special. You know, I, I think the the nomenclature is important on that car, and it is a really cool thing. I do think the 73RS is just a little more iconic to me. Uh, the silhouette with that duck tail is, is a little yeah. more important to me personally. And, you know, then maybe the 911R should have replaced the RS3O, um, but I guess there's just some sentimental things there that went into putting that RS3O on that list right. instead. Um but uh, you know the the new in the new 911 R I think is, you know everybody says it's an amazing machine. Um, it is really a a cool car. But the newest car on my list was the uh, the RS 40, and I think I'll stick to that.
0: <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Well, now usually I ask you know what kind of collector car market trends are you seeing, and you could either tell me broad, you know, not just Porsches if you want, or you can be specific whatever you choose to do. But, you know, as a car specialist, what kind of trends are you seeing out there in the collect car market?
1: You know, right now, I, I think what we're seeing is there are cars that are trading. Um, there are people out there that have, you know, they're on a few different wavelengths. Some are kind of bored, and they're just looking to, to trade around and experience something new. Um, so they're selling their cars, they're buying a new car, or they're finally having the time that they can research and and figure out what they want maybe, uh, what they want to experience, what they want to have in their garage for a little while. And as always, you know, the great stuff, great examples of of whatever it is are still trading for, you know, what they're they're worth and what we've seen them be worth and and what we've seen the market do over the past, you know, few years. Um, It's not just, you know, held in what has happened in the stock market yesterday or what's going to happen in the stock market tomorrow. And things like that. So we're still seeing um, great examples of great stuff sell for for great money. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we find something, you know, we always tell everybody, uh, buy the best thing you can afford. Whatever it is. If you're looking for, you know, a 60s Volkswagen Beetle or you're looking for a, uh, a Ferrari 275, buy the best example that you can find and the best example that you can afford.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Now, what about in the Porsche world? Is there anything that's sticking out to you?
1: You know, I think uh, I think there's a lot of hype around. There's a lot of hype around a lot of the new cars that have come out lately. And you know, the uh, it's interesting how Porsche chooses who they sell those cars to, and especially based on how many you see on the secondhand market within a week of them being sold <laughs> right. when they were new. You yeah. know, I think I think Porsche start selling their new cars to all the guys that bought all their GT2 RSs and. 911Rs and things like that secondhand personally, because um, clearly they're more of an enthusiast than the guy who bought it firsthand. If they're willing to pay a hundred thousand over MSRP, you know, it clearly means more to the guy, more to them than the guy who bought it new. You know, on the on the new market stuff, it's it's really interesting and it's you know it's so up and down, and, um, based so much on all these little details that everybody's you know losing it over. I didn't get paid the sample and I did, and you know all this stuff. And it's like let's. <laughs> right. You kind of lose it. Like it's it's more of a a contest then than it is about really enjoying and driving and using the cars. Right. Bragging about how little miles you have on your car is pretty unfun to me. So you know I think it's it's just about getting out there and using everything and enjoying it. You know some. On the other hand, some people really enjoy having the stuff just in their garage to look at. And, And I. You know, I don't understand it as much, but you know, if, if that's what they like, then good for them. Um, the guys that, that buy the stuff just to make a buck on it, you know, when they're new, that's their mentality as well. And, and you know, I think it'll we'll catch up to them at some point with the manufacturers and stuff. But hey, we're happy to we're happy to sell some of them for those people too. So,
0: right, do think, right. You know,
1: of the new stuff that have come out, the new nine thirty five is the coolest
0: thing for sure. Yeah, we just had one sell in the European sale last week, so or this week actually. Yeah, yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah, that was that the first publicly traded one at auction?
1: Uh, yes it was. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: It was great to see and that, that car was number 2 of the 77 that they built and um, you know, from what I understand, I think there were less than 20 of the original 77 built came to the US, so rare example to uh, on our shores.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing I like to do at the end of this, and I apologize, I don't think I gave you a heads up on this, (laughs) but I do play a little game called keep, cash, and crush. So what I do is I give you three cars and you tell me which one you want to keep forever, which one you want to cash in and which one you don't mind sending to the crusher. Oh boy. Uh, Yeah. It's meant to be painful, but also fun. So uh, it's just for fun. So the three cars I'll give you, you've mentioned two of them actually in your list there. So this might be tough. The Carrera GT. Let's assume these all are In great shape. Uh, Carrera GT, the next one's a 356 Carrera Speedster. And then the last one is the one I thought would be in your list but wasn't, the 911R. So which ones would you keep forever? Which one would you cash in? And which one would you crush?
1: Um. I'm going to have to cash out on the 911R because I'm going to 67, hopefully, and I get the most cash out on that one for sure. <laughs> okay. um, I'm going to have to keep the Carrera GT forever and crush the Speedster, I guess. Okay. <laughs> but I, I ho- hopefully somebody gets the motor out of that Carrera Speedster before we have to crush it, at least. <laughs>
0: That's really cool because I, I wasn't quite sure. You know, it kind of really tells me what your heart's all about, and it's it's slightly newer stuff, but, you know, the high performance, the Career GT obviously has a spot, is really high on your list, so that's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, And I and love the Speedster. I just, you know, if I have to drive one every day forever, I think it would be the Career GT. Although, yeah. I, I, you know, I need to sell the 911R for all that money to keep up with the maintenance on the Career GT is the only thing.
0: <laughs> Give us an idea. Is it? Do you know any of the maintenance numbers on, like, a, an annual service on a career
1: GT, what that would run. Um, your big services are your your rear main seal, your clutch, um, and the major. You know, and, you know, for major with clutch and everything, you're looking like thirty to forty grand, probably.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yep. So, and uh, you know that all, you know the major is every few years, and the clutch is based on you know how well you know you drive the car and if you live on a hill or not, basically. <laughs> um so if you lived in da- downtown San Francisco, for example, you probably have to go through a clutch go through a clutch a little faster in a career JT than uh than living somewhere like uh you know, Phoenix where it's pretty pretty flat in town, so but they're still very special cars.
0: All right. Well cool man. Well thank you for uh joining us for this call today and sharing your top ten Porsche's.
1: Yeah, thank you, Greg. I appreciate it.